Welcome to Stories from the Heart. I'm Sandra McDevitt. Today on Stories from the Heart, the true story of a priest who prayed for a woman for 25 years. He is sent to a parish as a fill-in for the pastor when some strange occurrences begin to happen. To find out about these strange occurrences, stay tuned to another Stories from the Heart. You may draw your own conclusions as to the possibility of an explanation for the strange events narrated in this story. That such things can and do occur is beyond doubt. I am a priest. Before I became a priest, I was a doctor. It was during my first years of practicing medicine that I met a girl, fell deeply in love with her, and almost married her. It was strange that I never succeeded in learning much about her background, where she came from, who were her parents, and so forth. All I knew was that she was as decidedly in love with me as I was with her. And then I found out she was already married. I must confess that this news was as great a shock to me would have been of the news of her death. For months I could not get back to work. She pleaded with me not to abandon her, to go off with either with or without the blessing of a judge or a minister. She said she would die if I left her. The struggle I went through was of such violence that I cannot begin to describe it. My only resort was flight. But before I departed, I made a promise that I would never forget her in my prayers before God. And I added a kind of prophecy that someday we would meet again, and that when we did, I would be able to help her as I was unable to help her now. Now I'm a priest. There has not been a morning when I said Mass during the past 25 years that I did not mention this girl's name, Mary, along with the names of my mother and father. During all those years, my prayers seemed to go unanswered, but God has his ways. Only too well I was to learn at the end. This was the case in my most recent assignment, a country parish in northwestern Minnesota. The pastor had been taken suddenly ill, and I was to substitute for him. A blizzard was beginning to gain momentum as I got underway. It grew worse as I drove along. The winds of these storms seemed almost alive, at one moment wailing and moaning, as though in pain, and the next moment screaming and crying as though mad with grief and anger. They sigh and scold and whisper and whisper. It was fortunate that I arrived at my destination when I did. Already it was beginning to get dark. I parked my car in the empty garage and ran as fast as the attacking wind would allow me for the nearest door. I did not pause to knock. I opened the door and rushed in carrying with me a veritable landslide of snow. Momentarily blinded by the snow and the wind, I was unable to make out what kind of room I was in. Gradually, my eyes came back to normal. The first thing I saw was a man dressed in somber black, standing silent in the middle of the room. His first words explained the reason for his funereal black. I am the local undertaker, he said. I came here to the rectory to be sure to catch you before you retired so that you might know about the body in the basement. Now, did I hear the man right? Body in the basement of the rectory? How come? Whose body? The story unfolded. The woman whose body was in the basement had died the night before. So that morning, Friday, he, the undertaker, had tried to bury the woman in the parish cemetery, which is right next to the church. 
Why so soon? I asked. If she died last night and you intended to bury her this morning, why the haste? Why no wake, no mass, no prayers? The woman was a shipless individual, answered the undertaker. Dirty and ragged in her person and appearance, a confirmed drunkard, in short, a misfit member of the human race. Who would be there to mourn for her if a customary wake were held? She had no relatives, no friends. But don't you think that a mass ought to be said for her soul, even though there is nobody present at it except herself and the priest who says it? She wouldn't have wanted a mass. She died as she lived. The doctor said it was a heart attack. She had no sacraments, no priests, no prayers. She had nothing. Why bring her into the church if she had no desire to be brought into the church? I furnished her with a coffin for shelter of her body and I intended to bury her just as the priest said. But when I came to do it, I found that it was impossible. The weather has been so cold for so long a time that the ground is as hard as concrete. Even a pickaxe couldn't make a dent, and the blizzard was blowing so hard that the grave diggers quit. What was I to do? I couldn't take the body back to my place because the storm might last a week, and I couldn't keep her in the hearse. Then I thought the rectory cellar. There is no heat in the basement. It is ice cold from front to back. I thought that this would be an ideal place to keep the body until it could be buried. So we carried the coffin into the basement and left it on the floor. In the morning, I'll be back with a neighboring farmer and will blast a grave with dynamite. Does it make you afraid to have her in the basement? Of course not, I responded. I have no fear of corpses in or out of basements. No sooner had he gone off than the storm fell upon the house with a fury unreached until then. The rectory was old to begin with and poorly built. Windows rattled, boards sighed exactly as though a group of people were walking over them, and doors made noises like the knocking of human knuckles upon them. To top it off, in one sudden and fierce blast of power that sounded like a thunderclap, the storm swooped down upon the house, and the lights went out. I found myself in total darkness. I should have been afraid in view of the fact that the dead woman in the basement lay directly beneath the chair in which I was sitting when the lights went out. I was afraid. It did disturb me. There is no point in denying it. Fortunately, I had brought along with me a flashlight. I felt my way to my satchel, took out the flashlight and began to search for a candle. The remnants of a thick Easter candle stood on the mantel enough of the remnants to last me through the night. I lit the candle, put it beside my chair, and sat down to say my breviary. My prayers were finished about eleven o'clock, and I closed the book. There was a lull in the blowing of the wind. I was about to proceed to the kitchen to get something to eat when I heard the voice. It was a human voice. It was a woman's voice. For a moment, I stopped breathing. Where was it coming from? What was it saying? And then I knew. It was coming right beneath me, from the basement where lay the dead woman in her coffin. And its words were, Let me out of here! Let me out of here! I was sure now that I was afraid. Was I to become involved with the supernatural? With the world of spirits? What was down there in the basement? A chill came over me. But chill or no chill, it was my duty to investigate. In one hand, I carried a bottle of holy water and the ritual. In the other hand, I held the candle. So, 
Armed with a prayer in my lips, I began my descent. The voice that I had heard upstairs was now silent, but the closer I came to the coffin, the more it seemed to me that a noise was escaping from a spot in the general area of the front part of the lid. A noise not unlike the scratching of fingernails over the surface of a piece of wood. I found a large screwdriver. I put down my candle and pried open the top of the coffin. It was unnecessary for me to lift it from its place. Unseen hands pushed it away and sent it clattering to the floor. And there, before my eyes, the body of a woman sat up. Her eyes opened wide, and she spoke. The moment the first word was uttered, the moment my eyes beheld her, I knew who she was. My heart seemed to stop beating in my body. The woman was my Mary, the girl whom I almost married, the girl whom I said that I would meet again, and whom I was certain I would be able to help. Her body was worn and wasted almost beyond recognition. But life was present, I was sure of that. Her being alive must have been due to supernatural agencies. How else could the phenomenon be explained? Now, for a reason I cannot understand, all fear left me. I put my hand over the hands that I had held so often when I was young in the world. They were rough and wrinkled but warm with the life that was in them. She called out my name. You told me years ago that always through your life you would speak of me to God, that someday we would meet again, that when we did you would help me even as you were unable to help me when I needed you so very badly. Well, now you have your chance to help me. I know you're a priest. Hear my confession. She folded her hands, leaned back against the back of the coffin and began, Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Through all the sordid and sinful adventures of the past she led me, down the path of the unbroken commandments, through the tragedies of a thousand despairs, into the poison areas of satanic arrogance and pride, she skipped nothing. Never, in all the years of my priesthood, had I heard so thorough a confession, and never had I witnessed such sorrow. Tears poured from her eyes and flowed down her withered cheeks. The words of her contrition were said as though they were drawn from the very bottom of her heart. I said nothing when she had finished. I only raised my hand and gave her absolution. And then, God bless you. The confession was over. Sweat stood out on my brow. The moment I said, God bless you, the strangest thing of all happened. Thank you, Father, she said. But even as she said this, her eyes began to close, and her body to slump down once more into the coffin. I saw the pallor of death come over her face, and the stiffness of death take command of her limbs. Her breathing stopped. Her body seemed to shrink and shrivel up. I knew that she was dead. I also knew that a moment before she had been alive, but without a doubt now she had gone. Her soul was before God. For a long moment I stood there not moving, hardly breathing. Was it possible for the prayers of a man, by no means a holy man, even though he was a priest to be heard by God in heaven, and to be answered by an act that demanded divine intervention? I knew that it was possible. As sure as I was that I lived, I was sure that the girl whom I had known so many years before, and for whom I had said so many prayers, was eternally safe. I knelt down beside the coffin and prayed in thanksgiving. The cold did not touch me. 
I hardly heard the howling of the wind. How long I remained there I do not know. But finally the chill began to penetrate my flesh and bones so deeply that I could stand it no longer. I took my candle and returned upstairs. The next morning I had hardly finished Mass when the undertaker and his friend arrived. Father, asked the undertaker, anything happened during the night? Not much, I answered. I'd a guess you would not know. A person who had been a close friend many years ago. She's gone now and I don't think she'll be back. That is strange. I wonder where she came from and where she went in this kind of weather. Oh well, we better get to work. He led his friend to the cemetery. They began their work of digging her grave. Thank you for joining us on Stories from the Heart. Today's story, The Body in the Basement, was written by Father Ernest Miller and taken from the book, The Body in the Basement and Other Stories. For a copy of this or any of my stories, email Sandra at AveMariaRadio.net. Stories from the Heart is recorded in the studios of Ave Maria Radio. I'm Sandra McDevitt. May God bless the rest of your day. Missed a show? Not sure if it came from Ave Maria Radio? Go to AveMariaRadio.net. A list of shows and hosts are there. And if you find the show you're looking for, you can hear the whole thing again by going through the Ave Maria Radio audio archives. For years, we've recorded nearly every show from Ave Maria Radio. Just click on the audio archives message located at the center of our homepage. Now you even have more reasons to become a radioactive Catholic by going to AveMariaRadio.net.